Welcome, ladies, to our online Bible study. As we continue with each chapter, we have a progression to our pursuit of God. We have seen the soul's paradox of how we can know God and yet still pursue Him. That we have a responsibility to seek God for God alone and not for what He does for us, but for who He is. Then we saw how the things of our lives have taken the place of God in our hearts and that we need to surrender everything to God, ripping out those very things, making God Lord of our lives. We have seen how the veil has been removed and that we can now experience God's presence in our lives daily. But sadly, so many Christians are complacent and don't know that they can experience God's presence personally. Last week, we saw how we can be aware of God's presence in our lives through our five senses. As we begin to focus upon God, the things of the Spirit will take shape before our inner eyes. This leads to our next step in our pursuit of God, the universal presence, seeing the very vastness of God. You can see how each step that we have taken on our spiritual journey has taken us deeper into our pursuit. Tozer explains that the universal presence is that God dwells in his creation and is everywhere individually present in all his works. This is not to be confused with pantheism, which leads to our first question of our homework. Explain in your own words the difference between pantheism and the doctrine of divine presence. Pantheism is that God is the sum of of all created things, nature and God are alone. So if you were to touch a leaf or a stone, pantheists say that you are t actually touching God. Well, that of course is to degrade the glory of the incorruptible deity and in an effort to make all things divine, banish all divinity from the world entirely doctrine of divine presence is that while God dwells in his world that he created he is separated from it by a gulf forever impassable when I think of divine presence I'm reminded of one of God's attributes omnipresence Tozer establishes at least three aspects of God's omnipresence God is near to everywhere everyone and everything God has no borders God has no size God can be in all places at one time he can be in everyone with everything and in every place he has no restrictions think about that he can be with everyone 
in everything, in every place, all at one time. If God is everywhere, then he cannot have any borders. Because a border indicates the point at which something ends. Now, since God does not end, but is infinite, he cannot have any borders. And God cannot have size, because again, size indicates that something is measurable. So, if God is infinite, he cannot be measured. So many times, ladies, we put God into a box because that is what we understand. We understand space and time. But God is not confined by space. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. It says, Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him says the Lord do I not fill heaven and earth says the Lord now let's look at Second Chronicles 2 verse 6 it says but who is able to build his temple since heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain him Solomon confessed as he was going to build a temple that God cannot be housed in a mere earthly temple since even the highest of heavens cannot contain him. Just to illustrate the point of God's vastness, you know, we live here on the ocean and we look at it every day. If you take a bucket and you submerge that bucket into the ocean, the bucket would be full of the ocean, right? So the bucket is full of the ocean, but yet the ocean surrounds the bucket in all directions. So when God says he fills the heaven and earth, he does. But heaven and earth are submerged in God, and all space is too. God is not contained. He contains, and there is a difference. So we need to think out of the box and not confine God to our space. Tozer says, He is transcendent above all his works, even while he is eminent within them. So when we talk about divine presence or divine eminence, it simply means that God is here. At no time ever are we aware or are we away from the presence of God. There is no one person closer to God. No one place that is closer to God. We are all equally close to him. God is as close as our most secret thoughts. Have you ever really thought about that? That God knows your most secret thoughts? That he is that close, those secret thoughts that you hide within you, that God is that close. 
He is not a God from afar. He is a God as close as your secret thoughts. So why is it, if he is that close, that we don't always feel God's presence in our lives? I want you to think back for a minute now on our husband and wife illustration. The wife was reflecting on their relationship and feeling a little distant from her husband said to him, You know, honey, we don't sit close together in the car like we used to. Well, you remember when you were dating, right? How you would try to sit so close to each other it didn't matter. I remember when my husband and I were dating. He had a van, and we would try to sit so close. He'd be driving, and there was no seat in the middle, so we would create a little area so that as I could get over as close as I could to him. But why is it, like this lady said, what made it where they didn't sit so close together anymore? The husband replied, Well, I'm sitting behind the steering wheel. If we don't sit as close as we used to, I'm not the one who moved. Ladies, this is the same idea as our relationship with God. He has not moved. He is always here and he always has been. It is not God that is causing the distance that we feel. It is us. Let's look at some few illustrations. When Adam and Eve sinned, they panicked and tried to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord. Let's look at Genesis 3.8. It said, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They were trying to hide themselves. Now let's look at Jonah. Jonah tried to run away from God when he refused to do what God wanted. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. It says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So you see, both of these examples show us of how they were trying to hide themselves from God's presence because of self-interest and those self-hyphenated sins that we heard about in previous lessons. Adam and Eve became ashamed after their sin, becoming aware of their sin nature. Jonah, well, Jonah was just plain disobedient. He did not want to go and do what God wanted him to do. So he tried to run. Now on the other hand, let's look at David. David didn't want to hide from God's presence. He wanted to be in God's presence. Let's look at Psalms 
chapter 15, verse 1. It says a psalm of David, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? The repetition of the interrogative participle who is not so much a question of the identity of those entering into God's presence as it was what kind of a person may enjoy his fellowship. Now we see the verbs dwell and abide. They may be interpreted metaphorically for the communion with God. And then we have the complementary usage of tabernacle and your holy hill. And they suggest the background of a pilgrimage to Mount Zion, God's holy hill. There David had first placed a tent for the Ark of the Covenant. On that site the tent was later replaced by the magnificent temple of Solomon. The presence of God was centralized in the Old Testament in Jesus' time in the tabernacle or the temple. So when David asked, Who may abide in your tabernacle? He was showing a deep desire to live in God's presence. Ladies, we need to examine our lives. Are we like Adam and Eve, ashamed of our sin and therefore trying to hide from the presence of God instead of coming to his loving arms in repentance? Are we like Jonah, not being obedient to what God wants us to do? Is there an urging that you are sensing that God is telling you to do something and you're ignoring it? Or are we like David, whose heart's desire is to be in God's presence? The issue of being fully surrendered and obedient to God cannot be stressed enough. Tozer rightly put points out that these areas are the difference between being a nominal Christian and a radiant Christian. Ladies, how can we live a nominal Christian life when we know that we can live a radiant Christian life? We need to fully surrender and be obedient to God. We need to be aware of God's presence in our lives, not trying to hide from Him. Now the presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. They can be the one without the other. Let's look at Genesis chapter 28 verse 16. It says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. Jacob had never been for one second out of God's presence, but he knew it not. 
that is the problem with so many Christians today. If we really believed that, that God was in our presence every moment of the day, think about how our lives would be different. What I want you to do is where you are right now, listening to this message, I want you to visualize a chair sitting right next to you with God sitting there. How do you feel? Would you act any differently knowing that God was sitting right there with you? Now, think about what you're going to do today. Think about as if saying God was going to go with you and do everything that you're doing in your day to day. Would you change your plans? Would you do anything different? Ladies, God is in that chair. God is with you daily in your schedule as you're doing your everyday tasks. God is there. We should not act any different because God is there. And that's what we need to get in the concept of our minds that God is with us every second of the day. Jacob discovered that God was always in his presence, that any place is the house of God because God is there. Jacob dedicated himself to the Lord that morning and, and claimed the promises that God had made to him. Now, it didn't mean that his life from then on was pure bliss. He still had to pay the consequences of his sins. But now he was aware of God in his life. Knowing that God is with us should make a difference in our lives. God is manifested only when and as we are aware of his presence. On our part, there must be surrender to the Spirit of God. For his work is to show us the Father and the Son. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us. And that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life that is radiant with the light of his face. Always, everywhere, God is present. And always, he seeks to discover himself to each one of us. He would reveal not only that he is, but what he is as well. He did not have to be persuaded to reveal himself to Moses, as we see in Exodus 34, verse 5. It says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. He not only made a verbal proclamation of his nature, but he revealed his very self to Moses so that the skin of Moses' face shone with the supernatural light. As we see in Exodus 34.30, So when Aaron and all the 
children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. God will manifest himself to us if we but seek him. It is not a matter of miles, but of experience. I heard a story of Dwight L. Moody, and he was praying that God would impact his ministry. And as he was praying, he felt God's presence come over him, where he felt such a joy. When he went to preach, he did not change his message. He did not change his approach. But more people than ever were touched by his sermon than before. He knew God was speaking through him to the people. Ladies, we should live a radiant Christian life. We should have a yearning for a manifestation of God's presence. A yearning that we should cultivate. God is in our presence. He has not moved. As it says in Psalms 139, 7-10, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So in reviewing, why do some find God in a way others do not? Why do some have deep experiences in others struggle constantly in the half-light of imperfect Christian experience. The different lies not with God, but with us. We are talking about having a personal relationship with God, being aware of His very presence in our lives. Let's not be like Jacob and say, Surely, The Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Ladies, we need to have spiritual receptivity, meaning we need to be in our word daily and communicating with God daily so that we will hear him when he speaks. We need to feel the urge from the Holy Spirit, and when we do, we need to act on it. As David did in Psalms 27 verse 8, it says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, will I seek. Ladies, we need to be diligent about seeking God. When we feel Christ calling, we need to say, Yes, Lord, and not run as Jonah did. It is important that we recognize that God is working in us. But we need to remember that God is working in us and through us. So we cannot be passive, 
and say, well, God is working in us so we don't have any responsibility. We do have a responsibility to follow hard after God. Tozer said, The idea of cultivation and exercise so dear to the saints of old has now no place in our total religious picture. It is too slow, too common. He went on to say, We now demand glamour and fast-flowing dramatic action. A generation of Christians reared among push-buttons and automatic machines is impatient of slower and less direct methods of reaching their goals. We have been trying to apply machine age methods to our relations with God. We read our chapter, have our short devotions, and rush away, hoping to make up for our deep inward bankruptcy by attending another gospel meeting or listening to another thrilling story by a religious adventurer lately returned from afar. Can you imagine, ladies, that Tozer wrote this in 1948? That's 61 years ago. He talked about a generation of Christians reared among push buttons and automatic machines being impatient of slower and less direct methods. Think about how far we have progressed since then. How much we have of these push-button machines. Did you know that the first commercial microwave was produced in 1954? And the first domestic microwave was produced in 1967, making our meals quicker. We have commercials advertising faster internet so that we don't have to wait on downloads. Finallyfast.com We live in a day and age that everything is fast. We want everything quick and easy. Ladies, we need to slow down. We need to take time and cultivate our relationship with God. In our fast-paced world, it is no wonder that we don't know each other. We have families so busy that they don't have time for each other. Tozer said, It will require a determined heart and more than a little courage to wrench ourselves loose from the grip of our times and return to biblical ways. Ladies, we need to slow the pace down. Take time to cultivate your relationship with God. Think about your life. And I want you to be honest with yourself at this point. Are you aware of God's presence in your life? Knowing that every moment He is with you. He wants you to experience His presence in your life. Be obedient to the urges that you feel from the Holy Spirit and cultivate your relationship with God so that you know your Savior's voice. Tozer said, when he explained the difference of a radiant Christian, he said they differed from the average person in that when they felt the inward longing, they did something about it. They acquired the lifelong habit of spiritual 
response. Ladies, the more that we practice our spiritual response, the more we say, yes, Lord, the more we will hear God's voice, the more we will feel God's presence. Any man who by repentance and a sincere return to God will break himself out of the mold in which he has been held and will go to the Bible itself for his spiritual standards and will be delighted with what he finds there. So let's say it again, ladies. The universal presence is a fact. God is here. The whole universe is alive with his life. And he is no strange or foreign God, but a familiar father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose love has for these thousands of years enfolded the sinful race of men. And always he is trying to get our attention, to reveal himself to us, to communicate with us. We have within us the ability to know God if we will but respond to his overtures. And this we call pursuing God. We will know him in increasing degree as we receptivity becomes more perfect by faith and love and practice. Ladies, we need to get the I out of our vocabulary. An interesting thought a friend of my husband's once told him was that I was not mentioned in Genesis by man until after the fall. I did a research and the only eyes that I found up until Genesis 3 verse 10 were about Christ saying what he has done. But when you look where man first set his first eye was in Genesis 3 verse 10 and Adam used the word I. Let's read it. He said, So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You see there's four eyes in one verse. He was self-aware. Those hyphenated, self-hyphenated sins began. Up until then, he experienced the presence of God daily. And that's what God wants for us today is that we feel his presence daily with him. God wants to fellowship with us. Let's pray Tozer's prayer at the end of his chapter. O God and Father, I repent of my sinful preoccupation with visible things. The world has been too much with me. Thou hast been here, and I knew it not. I have been blind to thy presence. Open my eyes, that I may behold thee in and around me. For Christ's sake, amen. Ladies, I look forward to doing this study with you. And as we start our next study next week, I pray that we will be together in Lord's will. God bless.